Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Campaign Podcast, where we chat about advertising, media, and marketing. I'm your host, Omar Oves, Campaign Magazine's Media and Technology Editor. Today, a podcast about podcasts. What's changing for advertising on podcasts, and how has the pandemic affected listening habits? We speak to Georgina Holt, the UK and international boss of Acast, and TBWA London's Chief Strategy Officer, Anna Vogt, who has just launched her own podcast, in fact. Uh, we get into some quite unexpected insights about what's going on in this space from both a creativity and brand building perspective. But first, joining me to discuss the week's news in advertising and media, we have Campaign's news editor, Gurgit Deegan. Gurgit, how are you? I'm good, thanks Omar. How are you? I am also fine, thank you. Um, after ranting and raving last week about um, the the depths and despair of working from home, I'm now rather enjoying uh, the rays of sunshine which are coming into the bedroom from which I'm currently recording this podcast and feeling a bit better about life. It is nicer, isn't it, when the sun comes out, even if it's really cold. So when the sun's out, you just feel a bit happier, don't we? Yes. Um, you just look Are you sure <laughs> I just remember I, I just remember April when it just seemed like such a novelty because we just had you know this unbelievable record of sunshine in southern England and it just seemed quite idyllic that we're all kind of working from home and then you know walking around in the park afterwards it didn't seem that bad but, uh, <laughs> yeah I've stopped doing the park walks yeah, yeah. our first story this week is a scoop we've got about Dentsu which we've learned is in advanced talks to merge iProspect and Visium in the UK and Ireland to create a single media agency brand. Uh, now, this actually, um, they did this in Australia early this year, where they actually dropped the Visium brand, Visium being um, the media planning and buying agency, um, and they merged with iProspect, and it's actually iProspect now in Australia, iProspect being the big performance media agency we spoke we asked Dentsu whether they were going to drop the Visium brands in the UK they said no decision had been made about that but certainly it's going to have a single CEO currently there are actually three CEOs that could be in line for this they've got Mike McCoy who runs Visium in the UK James Bailey does iProspect South and Steve Buchanan um, who's in charge of iProspect North um, so lots going on Gurgit, um, at first glance, does this move make sense to you? I th we think it's always coming. Um, as you said, that in Australia, they'd done it not so long ago. I guess performance marketing is such a big deal right now. The iProspect um, part of it is is a stronger part um, and adding Visium into it um, perhaps kind of um, build, builds it up a bit more as well. This is something that's been kind of probably in the works for a long time as well at Dentsu. Yeah, I, th I think so. I think I think it makes sense, as you say. What, what do you think? I think, to your point, there's a lot going on at Dentsu in terms of, you know, they talk about wanting to simplify their agency brands. There's obviously a huge pressure to cut costs, and we've known that actually since the end of 2019. We first heard rumours that they were planning to do this in the UK. It sounds like what they're trying to do is the word I was given was turbocharge. They want to turbocharge Ice Prospect as a global media network that would essentially sit alongside Cara at Dentsu Aegis Network. 
particularly if you imagine that, you know, Cara could be conflicted, there could be some clients they might not be able to work with, then iProspect, if it has that media planning and buying that Visium gives you, in addition to that digital media expertise, that programmatic performance marketing, then it becomes quite an attractive global network. And um, how it was described to me is um, they, they look at essence, uh, which was um, the digital business that WPP bought in 2015 and has now been integrated into Group M, the media buying network. But they look at how Essence has developed now in terms of offering digital media and now they work with BT. It's a very interesting proposition for how iProspect could develop. So yes, to your point, definitely part, definitely part of the kind of wider cost-saving move. But certainly um, it looks like they have big plans for iProspect, it seems. Yeah, if they're looking at Essence, and Essence is doing really, really well. So, yeah, that makes sense. And and Visium was always the kind of um, the conflict shop, wasn't it, um, for, for to balance with Cara at, 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 the, at the group. But, yeah, yeah, that, that does make a lot of sense, doesn't it? Yeah. Obviously, um, Gurdjieff, as news editor, um, you're, you're across the new business activity that's happening this year. But somebody said that they described Visium as being 15th or thereabouts in the global kind of rankings for media new business, whereas Caro was, I think, in the top five. Does that square at all with what we've been seeing in the UK this year in terms of how dense new agencies have performed? Yeah, I think Cara is doing is doing okay. Um, they did win the Craft Times Media for Europe, but there's a there's a couple of their accounts um, that I think you've written about that are have come up for review. Visium, I think I hear less and less about in terms of when you know who's pitching, uh, who who's on kind of pitch um, lists and things. I don't know about you, but I, I found that kind of more so not just this year, like uh, over the past few years. Mm. Um, whereas Cara is always kind of you always hear about them you know that perhaps could be like another reason why Visium and Visium was the right merger with iProspect. Yeah I mean <laughs> let's be honest it's been quite a flat period for new business activity anyway <laughs> with the the pandemic. I mean I think actually having just said that in the last month or so um, the chat I'm hearing from intermediaries is there are more briefs coming or at least promised to come in the next few months yeah i think what we've seen during the pandemic since march is a lot of reviews that would have happened be stalled it might not be the best time to be talking to agencies about increasing your spend or kind of moving agencies but also i think there's an interesting um incumbency buyers i don't know if you've heard this as well but in terms of even among brands that are really looking to review they're actually saying well given that all the challenges we've got, we know you guys, incumbent agency, help us do that. So it's actually kind of um, a different form of reviewing the business, if you like. So they're calling, a, do you mean that they're calling a review and kind of um, preferring to stick with the incumbent, but kind of also want to see what other agencies can can bring? Well, it's, 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 it's almost not even, it's not even getting to the review stage, but it's, it's going through the review process with the incumbents oh. because, because this, the circumstances have changed so much for so many, for so many brands this year. I think that makes sense, doesn't it's, it? It's a, yeah, it's like, we, we've got a, we've got a completely new challenge. You know us, let's kind of talk about that. So it's almost you know, it's gone off in a completely different direction. I think it's quite nice that they actually give the incumbents a chance to 
they call the current agency a chance to say, okay, yeah, things have totally changed, and uh, this is this 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 could be the new strategy that we could take, mm. instead of just being like, well, things have changed. Oh, let's let's go to review. I suppose also like marketers are aren't very confident as well at the moment. Um, nobody is um, in terms of like calling review and going through that whole process with like a load of agencies. I don't know. I guess like you know, some people say that you're kind of where you stay you know stick to your comfort in your comfort zone um but also need to see what different work the agency that you're currently working with can do for you so it's good i suppose for the agency side um not so much in terms of like new new business kind of people who want to grab some new business i guess um and not so much good uh, news for industry journalists who want stories to tell (laughs) (laughs) yeah not great for the news industry on campaign (laughs) Yes. Uh, we, I mean, we can't escape the financial realities of this. Dentsy reported a 20% slump in its organic revenues in the second quarter, which is April to June of this year because of COVID-19. I mean, is this all about cutting costs or do you think there are other reasons why we could see more agency mergers in the coming months and year? Um, there's been quite a lot of uh, mergers already, hasn't there? Yeah. I feel like a lot of it's been been done already, and in terms of like cost cutting, yeah, I mean you can't help but look at it as a like well, it will save costs when you merge. Things have changed so much, so um, the what the way people consume media and marketing and stuff is just so different now. And this year alone has just, I mean, it's always been changing, but this year alone has just like really catapulted that. So. Um, it does make sense that some of these are merging and, you know, some would say that perhaps we did have too many agency brands. I don't know. I'm not sure that we will see too many more uh, mergers. What do you think? It may be just a function of my personality and the kinds of people I attract, but I speak to a lot of disgruntled people, um, particularly within the big networks who, when it comes to big brands, they privately say it's all about procurement. It's all about procurement. It's all about, filling out a form and ticking boxes and ultimately cost is just its prices are just the big driver of what marketers or rather um, the people within the big brands that buy media care about your technical expertise and your ability to save the client money is seen as so much more important than what your legacy brand is so the back of my mind is always these things is how much do marketers care that we no longer have a visium in the industry? I, I want to your point, you would just wonder how much that more there is to cut. Um, <laughs> um, we, we live in unprecedented times and it's difficult to predict. I want to move on to an actually nice story uh, in a weird way for uh, Mullen Low London and Manning Gottlieb OMD, who camp- at the time we were recording this campaign has just broken a story that says the government has paid these companies £78.4 million on COVID-19 comms so far this year. Uh, campaigns analysis of cabinet office figures show that Mullen Lowe has paid £5.2 million pounds, uh, doing the creative work for, you know, ad campaigns like Hands, Face, Space. Uh, and 
Manning Gottlieb, um, which buys the media, obviously received a lot more money, uh, 72.7 million pounds. This is obviously um, good news for these particular companies um, who are doing very important work. And it's good that companies are receiving income when the, so much of the market is being disrupted. Could you just explain how um, we, we got this story? What goes into getting a story like this and finding out how much these companies are getting? Well, obviously, the government has to be very transparent in, in what they're spending on. Um, so the cabinet, cabinet office releases data on any spend over £25,000 um, uh, in a month. Um, and uh, currently these figures are only up to August. We also spoke to um, uh, more Kingston Smith as well. Um, and they kind of helped us kind of understand the figures a bit more. And so, as you said, like the OMD group ones, it's more likely that a lot of that is on um, media spend publicly filed accounts to 20, uh, to December end of 2018 uh, across uh, OMD Group's whole business the fees were 10 10.6% of total media billings um and the so it's hard to see like what the exact fee the agency would have got but you know this is big work so um yeah so it's yeah it's good for them um and i'm sure the industry um is delighted for them and uh, their American parent companies, IPG and Omnicom. Uh, some other stories to flag before we get to the interview. Uh, David Jones, uh, guest of the podcast and founder of You and Mr. Jones. Um, the, you should read this on the website. Listener, David Jones has attacked Byron Sharp's comments. Uh, we discussed this last week on the, on the podcast. Um, Byron Sharp's comments saying that marketers should effectively keep quiet uh, to, to an extent during the coronavirus times. There's only ex an extent to which consumers care about uh, what brands have to say during the pandemic. Um, David Jones says that Byron Sharp's comments belong to another century. He says technology has disrupted marketing beyond recognition, but it appears Byron Sharp has remained stuck back in 2010. Uh, check out the website to see um, what David says about that. In other good news, um, Uber has just appointed Mediacom as its global agency of record. So well done to WVV's Mediacom. And you should also check out, we also had um, in our last podcast, we had um, uh, a piece with Sarah Freer discussing Instagram at 10. We've also published a feature which is going in the October issue of magazine on Instagram at 10, the businesses that have built their brand on the platform. Uh, so lots going on at this busy time of year. Now, we're going to throw to our interview with Acast and TBWA. And after that, Gurjit and I will be back to discuss ads of the week. So now, in true postmodern media style, our podcast is going to turn to the subject of podcasts. Uh, joining the show today, we have Georgie Holtz, UK Island and Rest of the World Managing Director for Acast, the global podcast hosting company. And also we have Anna Vogt, Chief Strategy Officer at the creative agency and self-styled disruption company, TBWA London. Uh, Anna has just launched her own podcast alongside TBWA London CEO, Sarah Tate, who was on the campaign podcast herself all the way back on the 5th of March, which I think might have been the last time we recorded this show in an actual studio. Uh, I do miss the studio. So I want to talk to you guys about how the podcast market is shaping up now as this ship continues to grow. 
how that's changing with COVID times, which never seem to end, um, how more brands are getting involved and how we're seeing new technology come into the space, which means new ways to advertise and measure how well those ads are doing. Uh, and maybe some tips uh, for anyone who's thinking of launching their own podcast as Anna has done recently. Uh, first, uh, Georgie, uh, you joined ACAST a matter of months ago and you've actually got a strong publisher background. Um, we actually met when you were at the Stylist magazine, uh, but you've worked at Hearst for Cosmo, uh, Telegraph Media Group, a company um, I happen to know very well as well. Uh, so what brings you to a podcast company and what does your role involve? Yeah, Omar, I can remember that day very well. I remember sitting in front of people and, and talking to humans in real life. It was a great day, one of the best. Mm. Um, yeah, I joined um, ACAST pretty much in the height of lockdown. So um, I've yet to do a day's work in the office, which is a bit of a, a crazy experience. But I've always been a personal podcast fanatic. We call them podcasts at, at ACAST. So it felt like a really natural kind of organic progression for me to to kind of seek to to kind of find a role within within this space. And what's so great about ACAST is because we work with some of the um, the world's biggest publishers like The Guardian, The Times, Vice, The FT and The Economist, it was really nice to be able to kind of merge the publisher part of my role with the podcast part of the role. So I am the MD for the UK, rest of the world and um, the international markets. And my role really kind of anchors itself in ensuring that we continue to accelerate growth um, in, in all of those markets and really, you know, making sure that everyone has an amazing experience at ACAST, you know, whether that you're a podcaster, an advertiser, um, or you work with us or in fact, or even a listener. So that's really kind of what I do day to day. Mm, that's interesting. Um, now, you're actually one of several podcast companies. You're all fiercely competing to grow and win in this space. Um, you know, some rival companies might include Audio Boom, Spotify, Global, now Amazon, which just launched. Uh, they're going into the podcast space too. Um, so why should I, if I'm a big brand chief marketing officer or I'm someone like super famous, like if I'm Ryan Gosling and I want to launch a podcast, why should I go to Acast and not these other guys? I mean, firstly, Ryan, if you're listening, you are absolutely welcome to come and launch a podcast with ACAST. We would welcome you with very open arms. Um, but for those of you who don't know ACAST, we are the uh, world's biggest podcasting company. And we're the engine that, you know, power the creators, the advertisers and the listeners uh, around the world. So we have about 20,000 shows on ACAST um, on our network. And we have monthly listens of about 256 million globally. And I think the big difference with us is we really, really believe in that open and sustainable podcast ecosystem. We're kind of focused on ensuring that the whole industry continues to sort of flourish and grow. And unlike some of the other podcast companies, um, our podcast can be heard on whatever network you're, you know, or platform you're choosing to listen to your podcast on. So for us, that's super important to creators because that allows you to get the most listeners and for advertisers to kind of reach your audience at scale. So you know, it, there's so many benefits to ACAST and, and one of them is, you know, we get to work with some of the competitors you mentioned, you know, we get to work directly with Apple and Spotify and, and Amazon Music where our podcasts are now available. So we collaborate with a lot of these companies as well. So, you know, it's a really varied ecosystem, which, you know, is getting is getting bigger all the time. But I've come from publishing where it's always hot competition. So I kind of more than ready to take on that challenge. Uh, we'll get into the market in depth in just a bit. But um, first, Anna, uh, you're, you're not uh, Ryan Gosling, clearly, uh, but you have uh, launched a podcast recently and uh, you have a far more impressive CV than Ryan does anyway. Uh, before TBWA, you were Groove Strategy Officer at Mullen Low. You've been at BBH, 
Grey London. Uh, and this is quite extraordinary, listener. Um, you almost became an Olympic swimmer, I believe. Uh, yes, emphasis being on almost. <laughs> explain your <laughs> swimming background, first of all. Oh, gosh, that's a, a long, long time ago. Um, well, I used to swim competitively um, from the age of about 10 to 18. And uh, I swam for Germany for a couple of years and trained in the States and uh, in France. And then I missed um, missed the Olympics in Sydney by just, just a few tenths of a second. So that was a uh, that was kind of a, a point where I decided to, to stop stop putting the speedos on every morning and every evening and and go to school and get an education and uh, do something else with my life. Oh, well, good, good. Uh, so your podcast is with um, Sarah Tate. It's called The Rebuilders. I think that's right. Yes, it is. Yeah. Let's hear a quick clip from The Rebuilders podcast. Uh, this is from an episode which features an interview with Jason Consalves from The Face magazine and previously of BBH. <laughs> Undoubtedly, we're going to see some really interesting, clever, amazing ideas that make us see the world in a different way. I think the great tragedy would be if we returned to normality. The real opportunity for all of us in our individual businesses and as a society as a whole is to think of what's happened in 2020 as a break-in series. To actually think about what happens now what do we think the world should be like? What do we think our businesses should be like? How do we operate in a way that enriches life rather than reduces it? I think that's an exciting challenge for all of us who are running businesses and influencing the culture. The world right now is exhausting if you're trying to hold on to the plans that you made last year or before. I think it's a really good opportunity to look at things and imagine that you have a blank sheet of paper. Uh, and now this isn't a TBWA podcast, is it? This is a sort of side hustle, uh, much like producer Ben and I were in exploratory talks the other day about a Mad Men rewatch podcast. <laughs> so why have you why have you launched this podcast? And is it that you and Sarah don't spend enough time together? Yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, well, I guess, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's a personal passion project. And it's something that had been kind of kicking around in the back of our minds for a while. Um and then when COVID happened, it was just really a project to keep us sane and to give us an excuse to get away from the kids for, for a couple hours. I guess the premise of The Rebuilders, which is about rebuilding something um, that has kind of lost its way or is broken and trying to turn it into a success again, really um, started when we um, came to TBWA three years ago to rebuild that business alongside Andy Jex, who's our chief creative officer. And what we found when we were looking into different businesses who had uh, rebooted or rebuilt themselves is that there's a lot of literature available around startup cultures and failing fast and moving on. And it almost was like that's the mantra of our generation, right? As soon as you've start, started something, if it hasn't worked, that's okay, it's failed, ditch it, put it to the side, and then you start something new again. But there wasn't a whole lot around taking something that is broken or not quite working optimally and actually trying to reconstruct it to turn it into, into success again. And then, you know, when COVID hit, that became an enormously appealing and much more urgent kind of topic for us to explore. So uh, we decided let's hurry up and get some really interesting people on who've had firsthand experience about, you know, rebuilding uh, a business or their self-esteem or their health or their finances or whatever it might be. And just get them to talk a little bit about that and see what it is that we can learn and and uh, and share with everybody uh, by way of inspiration and and insight so that's how that kind of came about 
Interesting. Um, there must be a lot of potentially really interesting stories out there because, you know, uh, in, in the nicest possible way, crisis kind of does that. And, you know, there are lots of challenges that you know, have been happening all over this industry and before COVID. Um, but how, how are you and Sarah deciding to come up with content ideas for this podcast? Yeah, yeah, great question. So I think the the appeal for us was in really looking at people from all walks of life and lots of different experience sets. So while the initial kind of idea came out of a business context, we thought the things that make a successful business rebuild are actually also ingredients that make successful life rebuilds, right? And it also works the other way around. If somebody's had a, a breakdown or somebody's had a relationship that was fractured and they wanted to put that back together again, there are lots of insights from those kinds of situations that could apply to a business context as well. So we cast our net very, very wide and have uh, you know, got a really interesting set of speakers together from Jason Gonzalez, who is rebooting The Face magazine, to Ferris Jacob, who's founder of Genius Steels, to Mark Lewis, who's reopened the School of Communication Arts. Um, but then also people outside of the, the industry, like Charlie Webster, who's a sports broadcaster for uh, Sky and BBC, or Chris Atkins, who's a film, mil, filmmaker and prisoner. So um, it's just taking a real mix of individuals with, with different sets of stories and then trying to find the nuggets in there that can be applicable to, to everybody's life. I think I think the great thing about um, you know you have a premise for these conversations, but because of the intimacy um, and the fact that you you haven't got to put your your audio lengths into a particular time limit, um, these conversations can go off in interesting directions. And you know we found that doing you know, I've been involved in this podcast since almost the beginning of this year, and it's just really surprising where you end up coming up with episodes that you know, you didn't expect you were going to get and you get some interesting uh, lines out of it. It happens, it just so happens that we're recording on International Podcast Day. Um, I don't know why that day is today, uh, but you know, uh, it happens to be a week where there's a lot happening in the space anyway. Apple has been making moves. They bought Scout FM earlier this year. Bauer Media has launched Podplay, a podcast aggregator, which is going to do its own exclusive shows. I mean, there's just week after week, there's so much news happening. Generally, I guess people are listening more um, to podcasts more and more. What has listening behavior been like um, during working from home lockdown times, Georgie? Um, I get the impression that because people aren't commuting that maybe people will be listening to podcasts less but maybe on the whole listening more because they're at home more and trying different things what's happening i mean you've identified you know a lot of reasons why podcasting is is one of the fastest growing mediums in the world right now and sort of pre-covid pandemic times we had around 11.3 million people listening uh, to a podcast in the uk every single week which is actually up 30 percent year on year so we were seeing really big growth in the in the medium itself and even against the backdrop of a global pandemic you know podcast listening has continued to increase i mean of course when there's a huge seismic change to our lives uh, in terms of now we're working from home and and working through lockdown that has had an effect on listener behavior but sort of rather than negatively affect it it's really sort of seen a shift in the times of day that people are listening as you rightly identified the commute was quite a a kind of core anchor to podcast listening but what we've actually seen is it you know really kind of sustained through the day so it's very sustained listening rather than this kind of peaks at the beginning and the end so even though people's daily routines have changed a sort of love for podcasting has really remained unconditional so they're still there they're still listening they're listening more than ever and we've seen record numbers of listens at Acast um, over the last few months so I think you know people um, have come to podcasting and it's about to to really go mainstream. 
Mm. Ah, so that's interesting. So you don't regard it quite as mainstream yet? Not quite. I think 30% one in three. I'd like to see 50% of the UK population population listening to podcasts. I, th- I think it's well on its way to be there. Um, I think when people are listening, they're listening a lot. I think the average number of listener hours is around six hours um, every single week. So they're incredibly invested in, in podcasting. So the content's super sticky. But I think I think we're on the cusp of being mainstream. Mm. And um, Anna, in, uh, launching um, your own podcast. I mean, what's the ambition? Is it? Um, are you? Have you got a set number of listeners that you're hoping to achieve, or are you looking to kind of um, get sponsorship because um, you know it's a it's a burgeoning media mogul career, or because you know you want it to sustain itself and maybe grow it and get other people involved? Is you you mentioned it was a passion project, but do you have ambitions to do anything more with it? Yeah, yeah, all of the above. Why not? Um, I mean, we'll see. We're still very early days. We've just launched our fourth episode um, today. So, uh, I mean, it's been a fantastic learning experience, first and foremost, I think, for for Sarah and myself. And um, I just saying to Georgie before you join, I think one of the really refreshing things in the process has been allowing yourself to be a beginner again at something and not, you know, knowing all the answers because you're kind of after 15 years in a career expected to know everything most of the time and uh, and just being okay with being a beginner again and having that steep learning curve. I think we're sort of trying to see where it goes with that regard, but maybe have a couple other series. I think what we'd love to do is have a body of work that really, you know, reflects different ways into rebuilding your life or your career with uh, good bits of advice. And, you know, maybe a book might come out of that. Maybe there'll be lots more series. Maybe it will just stay as an audio uh, experience. But for us, it's really about getting to the bottom of the rebuilding topic and really taking it from every angle possible and coming out with some very tangible steps people can take or insights they can apply to their own life. So I think that's that's really the journey that we're on. Mm. It's a really interesting concept of starting kind of something new on a media platform and kind of just seeing where it goes. And I think that's definitely the world that we're increasingly in now in terms of you know this idea of iterating and kind of learning as you do and don't worry about the finished product too much. That definitely seems that podcasts are a good way to get into that. Absolutely. And you can you can experiment, right? You can switch things around. If something doesn't work one week, you do it a bit different the next week. And it's uh it's quite fluid. And again, that's not something you necessarily experience in your day job. So that's been, again, a really uh, refreshing. Yeah, I think we definitely want to do a lot more. I think we're just at the very beginning. Um, and we'll see um, where the insights and the learnings take us and whichever format is best to uh, share those with as many people as possible. Uh, we'll be exploring that. And on the commercial front, Georgie, you know, people, you know, if, if they've been listening to podcasts for a long time, when they listen to commercials, they'll be familiar with what I think of as old radio style narrated ads that the hosts tend to do, but you're increasingly hearing more 30 second spots, for example, um, on the more popular um, podcasts, um, some of which I assume they're being bought programmatically nowadays. Um, so what has changed maybe this year or as the platform has become more popular? If I'm a big brand marketer, what really are the opportunities now on your more popular podcast for me? I mean, I think, you know, your kind of old school narration is what we might call sponsor reads and they are the kind of OG of podcasting. Um, and, you know, I, I, I think sort of a, a, a big shift for us, as you've identified, is the kind of the more automation of podcast buying and the more ability to target 
um, contextually and to create campaigns that are really kind of honing the targeting uh, through all of the additional technology that we're able to supply advertisers with. But, you know, I actually think it's it's more of a pivot for advertisers who have begun to, or we're certainly talking about it a lot, is to to think about podcasts and podcasting as a, a really trusted influencer marketing strategy. And um, not only are we seeing more influencers come to this space, but really it's sort of the best word of mouth strategy you can buy. I mean, the reason being is that when we think about podcasts and we think about the audiences they connect with, we we kind of use the word community all the time. And, you know, every single one of our podcasts has a really, you know, strong community of loyal listeners who you know, feel super connected to the show. And I think we've kind of realised more than ever how important it is to feel part of a community, you know, whether that's through a podcast or, you know, via your favourite influencer. And I think, you know, for brands who are looking to to kind of build communities or connect with communities around a product platform or narrative, podcasts is a really, really proven way to do this. So I think it's more a shift in perception about where podcasting sits within the media mix. And what we're seeing more and more often is it's forming a very credible and important part of an influencer marketing strategy because these people are genuinely the kind of best influencers you can buy right now because you know they're trusted tastemakers with loyal audiences um and the sponsor read really is one of the most authentic ways that you can you can create a brand message that's going to connect with audiences who are super receptive to receiving it so uh, so in your world when you talk about an influencer are you saying let's get you know pick on poor ryan gosling again <laughs> Let, let's get ryan gosling to front a podcast about um something and as part of the package you know big procter and gamble brand will sponsor it and ryan gosling's going to read out you know an ad for gillette yeah i mean i think what's moved on so so um so hugely in the last year or so with acast is the dynamic insertion of podcast advertising as well is that you could record a sponsor read and it doesn't have to be specific to that show it can be dynamically inserted across a time frame it can go into a back catalog it means that we can really target around time of day or week or context so you know the kind of baked in sponsor reads that perhaps were what were fueling the system on podcasting years ago have really kind of have moved on now and and when we kind of think about influencers I think that there's anyone who wants to engage a community with a specific message obviously they can do that at scale if they're Ryan Gosling um however there's there's people who have more niche communities who can be just as effective and important to advertisers and you know really engage with connect and connect with communities who have perhaps not been spoken to as much or as frequently as they should have done by more broadcast media channels Mm. It's interesting though, because you've because you've also got brands like Vodafone and Sephora mm. who have their own kind of branded podcasts happening as well at the same time, haven't you? Which I think is is something that is is, is an emerging uh, behavior. And I mean, you can see why they do it because you get a deeper engagement with consumers and uh, you know a, a wider ca- a net you can cast with uh, with new consumers. But also, it's such a flexible platform; you can experiment with tone of voice and format and all the rest of it. So uh, that's something that we've seen happening as well. That that's not just mm. using. Um, influencers to sponsor an ad on a podcast but they're also the brands are also creating their own podcasts as, as branded content yeah we've seen huge growth in that and are actually at acast we're seeing not just kind of branded series we're seeing branded episodes we're seeing branded segments you know that ability to create long-form content within the audio space has really opened up opportunities to brands to 
to experiment, as you rightly said, or create longer form narratives for audiences around specific topics that they want to become recognised for or build trust around. And we've seen a lot of the banking and finance brands move towards podcasting, experimentation and creativity around formats. Podcast audiences are incredibly forgiving. You know, the the production levels don't have to be cinematic. You can you can play with format. You can play with tone, um, and the, and they'll keep coming back. A lot of the the biggest podcasts that we know now didn't start like they are as you know them today. They started in a very different way. But what they were finding is they were you know building an audience organically over time and, and testing new ideas. So, you know, I, I think there's a reason why you're seeing huge. Um, film production companies and, and huge investment into into podcasting is that you are allowed to experiment with ideas here. It's a great testing ground for concept. We saw it with Dirty John, uh, the podcast that was hugely successful that then pivoted onto Netflix. So I think we'll start to see um, more and more big, high, uh, high value production and film studios and TV studios experimenting with ideas and podcasting that they then take onto the big screen. You mentioned banking just now, Georgie, but are there any sectors in particular that seem to be getting more involved in podcast advertising? Yeah, I mean, we've had brands who have been loyal to podcasting for years, you know, Sky, Now TV, HelloFresh, you know, they've, they've understood the power of podcasting for a long time. But we are seeing more and more categories come into the, the podcasting space, banking, as I mentioned, home improvement video on demand services and what's so interesting to me and 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 where my background has been is that brands that have traditionally perhaps seen as the lack of uh, visual or the visual challenge in podcasting um, being a blocker for them to advertise are really starting to move through that now and and spend in podcasting so beauty and fashion are starting to to really engage with the opportunity here and we've seen some again brilliant long form branded content created by lots and lots of premium and luxury advertisers we've seen bell staff do brilliant work um, on a podcast to called the road less traveled we've uh, seen netta porte do some some brilliant work too so i think we're starting to see categories that perhaps had had kind of thought the visual challenge was something that might hold them back to actually really start to immerse themselves into the space and, and find the opportunity for themselves that renaissance of audio is really interesting, isn't it? Because it was sort of, I think, seems the poor or the nerdy cousin of video. And it's just made a massive comeback. And, and I think it's really surprised everyone. It's funny, I was, um, you know, looking through some podcast history stuff. And, and apparently, like 15 years ago, uh, Macworld's uh, definition of a podcast that's really cracked me up was it's a time shifted amateur radio, <laughs> which I thought is just so funny, because they didn't know how else to explain it 15 years ago, because nobody knew what it was. Um, and it kind of almost does a total disservice because it really undersells it. When, when, when Apple launched the podcast app 15 years ago, it was to not much fanfare at all. And it's kind of taken everyone by surprise how immersive and emotional and just engaging audio on its own can be. And I think it's something we just haven't really appreciated or engaged with um, to sort of its full potential over the past sort of five, 10 years. And it's just made a massive renaissance. And you know, it'll be interesting to see if it's here to stay or not. You're so right, um, Anna. I think it gives people and a a break from screen and to still get engaged with amazing stories and uh, amazing creators and um, allows that that one-to-oneness that we're kind of craving so often now away from a screen to kind of happen in a kind of very unique, very personal space that is just perceptibly for you, but also makes you feel part of something more. So um, I, I think it is here to stay. I think the investments that we've spoken about already and, you know, I think Apple announced that they now had one million podcasts 
on on their platform um, i think there's you know just huge growth in the sector and uh you know there's just more and more opportunity for for audiences to connect with creators and for creators to find the audiences that they they want to engage and i think it's a hugely exciting time yeah if you look at the amount of investment spotify for example are willing to throw at people like joe rogan um to get him exclusive on their platform you know tens of millions of dollars reportedly um you know this is serious business now at spotify you know i think they recently said that the number of shows on their platform has increased by 240 percent just in 2020 you know that's more than triple um so th- there's a lot going on um and anna um, with your create with your strategic hat on um if you're talking to one of your clients about this and they're thinking well you know i'm 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 just not sure what the opportunity is. We, you know, we've, we've talked a lot about influencers just now, about uh, programmatically bought things, dynamic insertion, lots of fun things you can do. But ultimately, is there still that perception that you're still reaching niche audiences? And you know, how maybe they don't want to be experimental. Maybe they want to have more control over their brand than that. What, what would you say to them? I don't think they're mutually exclusive. Um, I think if you look at something like Sephora, who've created a podcast called Lip Stories, um, and they've got a boss girl to host it, and it's a whole series around self-image and building your confidence. I think you know that can very much speak to a brand's purpose and its belief and its mission and create a really um, sort of engaging platform for consumers to listen and come together and to create a community. Uh, and to just sort of feel more connected with what the brand uh, ultimately exists to do, right? Which is to make people feel better through their cosmetics and their skin products and all the rest of it. So um, I don't think they necessarily have to give away that much control if they're in charge of um, creating and casting and scripting and hosting all the rest of it. But, uh, you know, I I think it's a huge opportunity. I really do. And uh, the fact that you can be hyper-targeted in your content um, is, is a massive advantage as well. Splendid. And um, so, what do you have next? Who, who are your next guests coming up in your podcast? Well, we've got uh, we've got Chris uh, Atkins uh, coming out today, who is the filmmaker and jailbird uh, for tax fraud, and he wrote a book and he talks about rebuilding his life after that. Uh, we've got um, Mark Lewis from the SCA and Sophie Devonshire as well from the Marketing Society. They'll be coming up in the next couple of weeks. Mm, interesting. And can people find your podcast everywhere or a specific place or? Yes, is this where I do my big plug? Yeah, so we we're called the Rebuilders. It's uh, you can get it on uh, obviously on Apple, Apple's uh, podcast. You can go to um, to Simplecast and get it there. We've got a Twitter page. We've got an Instagram account. So follow us, download the episodes, uh, say you like it, and write a comment. That's all I can say. Okay, well done. And Georgia, I'm interested to know. Um, I'm you're immersed in the world of podcasts now. Do you have a favorite podcast? Do you have a favorite. 10 podcasts tell me um i mean i i have a a ton of 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 favorite podcasts i um i've become very connected to shag married annoyed um over the past Ah. month you know it is the uk's biggest podcast now if if you haven't listened you you feel part of the ramsey family almost immediately and it's given me a lot of a lot of joy and comfort over the past few weeks um i've really enjoyed um bbc's brown girls do it too it's an incredible podcast around sex and relationships um, and was actually one of the BPA's uh, award winners. I think it won um, overall best podcast. So it, it's 
highly, highly hilarious. I, I recommend you you listening. But I I think for myself, it's always the joy of discovery in podcast too. I, I kind of find the, the sort of word of mouth recommendation part of the joy and the experience of, of listening myself. So I'm always up for, for good podcast recommendations. And um, Anna, I listened to yours um, last night and it is really, really good. I listened to the Charlie Webster episode. So I, I'm looking forward to listening to some more. Oh, thank you. And uh, finally, Anna, uh, do, do you take any inspiration from any particular podcast? I'm wondering, and do you have your own favourite that you listen to for pleasure, of course? Yeah. So, um, so how to fail and squiggly careers um, are two favourite podcasts of, uh, of of Sarah Tate's, and so we've taken some inspiration from that. Um, you know, just in terms of how they uh, interview people and how they so sort of get to the nub of the story and try and you know bring the human side out in guests and 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 that sort of thing. So I think that's uh, that's definitely been an influence. Um, and then just, um, you know, the, the podcast I listen to at the moment is uh, there's no such thing as a fish, which I still think is very entertaining, <laughs> especially you just sort of miss all those little facts you pick up when you read the Metro or overhear a conversation at work. And I just really miss that. And I think that episode gives me those nerdy little insights that, you know, you wouldn't otherwise come across. So that's kind of been my uh my uh my fix during lockdown yes i you know what someone needs to do they need to recreate sounds of the office podcast and i could just have that on <laughs> when i'm not in meetings that we're working from oh, the bloody bedroom which i'm doing um that would be nice to bring things back to normal you know what omar omar i think i think someone's already done it i think there is a i think there is a soundtrack that you can play that plays out the sounds of the office in the background ah, really? to kind of give you that to give you that that work from home and home from work experience. So yeah, it, it's there. And you know, uh, there's so much, there's so much scope for creativity. I, I, you know, you've mentioned launching a podcast yourself in the side hustle. Uh, I think it's a, I think your concept's great. And I think I've, you know, it would get a lot of people listening. Good. They just, we just need to find more time in the day, really, to fit all these podcasts in. <laughs> uh, but thank you so much, uh, Georgie Holt and Anna Vogt for coming on the campaign podcast. And um, do check out Anna's podcast and um, as well as Acast and all the wonderful companies who are hosting uh, these shows. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you so much. And we're back with Gurdjit Deegan, Campaign's news editor. Uh, before we get to the ads, Gurdjit, um, you're obviously a podcast pro, having appeared on this one many times. Um, but I'm interested, has working from home all the time massively affected how often you listen to podcasts or indeed other media? I think it has. Um, I, def I think I listen to podcasts less now, actually, um, because before I jump on the train or walk, be walking somewhere and... Uh, stick a podcast on um, and now I probably watch a bit more TV being at home all the time yeah I have to admit it's it's been exactly the same for me uh, particularly um, since having a young baby in the house as well um, I do find I'm listening to podcasts when I'm trying to when I've got the headphones in and trying to calm her down uh, but apart from that apart from the, the the mandated walk I give myself after work every day there's there's just not the same opportunity as there was during commuting to listen to podcasts and for better for worse I am watching more TV as are you uh, and speaking of TV let's look at some ads which are featuring on television and other places first this week we have the black farmer yes indeed he, Wilfred Emmanuel Jones is back um, with a new ad campaign for Black History Month this is by Neil A. Dawson 
and Company uh, and narrated by Emmanuel James himself. Let's have a quick listen. We have been here all along and we will be here for all time. This is not your story or my story. It is our story, our history. Yes, but also our destiny, British history, black history. So this ad is aiming to challenge the underrepresentation of black people in the food industry. Um, it coincides with um, the brand, the Black Farmer, launching a special range of sausages with Caribbean flavors and a pack design which celebrates black contributions to British society. Uh, Gurdjit, how did this grab you? Oh, I think it's really nice. I think it's it needs needed doing, um, despite the fact I really like the sausages. It's a well-meaning ad and it's well thought out and it's brilliant that he's got all the, not all of the, but, you know, I think 11 supermarkets supporting the campaign. The ad itself is like a, is a selection of kind of images from history. It looks nice, but I think the message it's sending out is is very strong. It's reaffirming why Black History Month and similar initiatives are so important um, because, unfortunately, it is still the case that you have underrepresentation. And and I like how um, he kind of positions himself within that story about how you get to, you know, a better place um, where, you know, I think the line he uses is, you know, I, I'm proud to have been what comes before, you know, very much kind of knowing that, you know, um, there are there are hopefully people that can take up the mantle and be champions for this um so yes very positive indeed now next we have rustlers the food brand uh, this is better than you think by droga 5 london let's have a quick listen hi grandma Great when things turn out better than expected. Like discovering Rustler's burgers are made with 100% British and Irish beef. Rustler's, better than you think. So what's going on here is you've got the Little Red Riding Hood story. But actually, the wolf turns out to be really nice. <laughs> and so the whole thing is, ah, this ended up being much better than you thought it would be. And guess what? A Rustler's burger is actually quite nice. It's not crap. Uh, this, is, this seems to be the message that they're coming out with. Uh, Gadget, did, did this, is this what you thought? Did you like it? What did you think? Uh, yeah, I think it's great. But like, it's a bit sad. Where is her granny? I know the wolf's not her granny sorry the wolf the wolf has replaced her granny because you can see the granny in a photo the wolf's eaten her granny I think the wolf has eaten her granny right so um and then like there's a point where the the, the, the girl looks down at a picture of her of her granny and she's a bit sad but like we never find out what happened to the granny um but yeah I, I wish you know it had ended better for the granny. Um, yeah, they're, they're they're nice silly ads. Did you watch the um, the the second one? Fight, I think it's called the 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 dancing dance fight thing. Thing. I, I didn't. Does it also feature grannies and wolves fighting? It doesn't feature grannies and wolves. It's just two 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 blokes fighting. I think it's high school. Um, but instead of actually fighting, they're just dance fighting. So it just it's all a bit ridiculous. And it ends up, and it ends up not people people were not being beaten up. So, 
Um, I don't know if it's, this is not really going to encourage me to eat the burger though. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Somehow with with your um, health and fitness credentials, um, I'm not surprised at that. Um, (laughs) It's definitely um, a a really funny ad. I actually, um, to your point, that's quite sinister about um, what happened to Granny. Um, I I guess I just (laughs) forgot the point of what Little Red Riding Hood was all about. Um, But, you know, it's, I think it, it, it clearly works in terms of delivering that message better, better than you think uh but let's move on to samsung um you may have heard of it it's a phone brand uh they make phones and tvs and all sorts uh this is a new campaign uh by mother i think it's the first work that mother's done for samsung um let's have a quick listen it's it's called inspired by true photo onions So this is all about rekindling the creativity, I suppose, of smartphone photography uh, in the way that it tells an unusual love story centered around onions. Gurdjieff, thoughts? I think it's a bit soppy. Soppy? Um, it's really... <laughs> It's really nice. I don't know. It is really lovely and it's really well done. It's it's kind of, I think, what you expect from Mother, this kind of really, really lovely film and the sentiments there. But for me, I just think it's really soppy. I just, can those two just, you know, hurry up and get a room? <laughs> <laughs> is that awful? <laughs> Are you are you are you kind of one of these hard nosed consumers that when they when they see something for a, a phone ad or a t or some sort of tech product you, you just want to know about the features and what the price is is that you, you don't feel any brand affinity with you know a phone? <laughs> I think look, look, I do think it's a really nice well and well made film, but um, yeah, I just uh, I just I just want them to just hurry up and yeah, okay. Um, I mean, I do like romantic comedy films and things, but. Um, I just felt this ad, I just felt a bit, I don't know, maybe it's <laughs> lockdowns made me like a bit meh. Yeah, it, I'm also not a Samsung customer, so I probably wouldn't yeah. buy a phone from Samsung. I don't know. Um, I just found it a bit soppy. It's a nice ad, but I think it's a bit soppy. Good point about what you just said at the end uh, about not being a quote unquote Samsung customer, because uh, I believe you use an iPhone, as I do. And I, I just wonder whether you're just getting to such a stage with phones in particular where brand loyalty is just hardening so much where I just wonder whether, um, how, how how fluid is it? I think we, maybe that's one for a future podcast. Interesting. Perhaps, yeah. Right. Okay, Gurdjit, thank you so much uh, for coming on this week's episode. I hope to have you back soon. Thank you to listener for continuing to listen to the campaign podcast. And remember, you can subscribe and listen to previous episodes on Apple Podcasts, Google, wherever you listen. And of course, on our website, uh, where we publish the podcast without paywalls. Uh, please stay safe wherever you are. Uh, remember, you can get the latest interesting news at campaignlive.co.uk. And thanks, as always, to Campaign's Ben Lonsborough for editing and co-producing this podcast. Catch you next time. Bye-bye.